Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. And we're going to speak about going deeper. Going deeper. Now, there's an amazing story I want to start out this morning with. Um, There were seven missionaries going out to a small island in the South China Sea with the sole purpose to go and reach about two, three, four thousand people living in that island, not knowing anything about unreached. And as they went there, they came the first day, and the only reason why they could go in there, because they had a connection of the, the leader of the missionary group of seven, had a friend he was in school with who was the headmaster on that island, and they went there to visit and stay with him, and as they got there, the man heard that they were going to preach on the island, so he said, sorry, you can't stay with me anymore. And I thought, okay. So they s- spoke to a couple of people on the island and they got to meet the herbalists on the island and they stayed with him. And that first night he was the first guy who got saved. And for a couple of weeks they were preaching up and down the island, but they were, they were literally a pushback. They couldn't reach people. People didn't want to speak, about, speak to them. And after they spoke to the herbalist again who was newly saved, they realized that these people only have one God they believe in, and that there was an idol that was in one of their small little temples. And they have a festival for this idol, and every year on that day of festival, the weather was perfect. And because of that, they don't doubt the power of this idol. And one day they were speaking about this, and the people in the, in the, um, the plain there in the little town, and the one missionary stood up and he says, that you believe in that idol, but I want to proclaim today on the day of the festival, which was a week, uh, a week um, later. He said, it will rain on that day. And the people ridiculed him. They even cursed him, shouted at him, threw him with stuff because they didn't believe that. And the missionaries went into their little home and they started praying. Prayed for for a week, almost non-stop, that it will rain on that day. And that day came for the festival of this idol, and they carried the little idol on the platform out into the plain, and it was a beautiful morning. <laughs> and they had breakfast, and as they were praying at breakfast, suddenly clouds formed, and rain gushed down. It was a torrential storm that came down, even so much that they had to run the idol off the plane and the idol fell and it broke in half. And, and they thought, yes, God's going to do a miracle. And the elders came up and said, no, 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 sorry, got it wrong. It was not today. It was in four days. It's the, it's the festival. And uh, the missionaries went back and they said, Lord, we pray that in the next three days that it will be the best weather. So we can reach people who already started doubting. But on day four, Lord, we pray that the rain will return. And then for three days, they had the best weather ever. About 30, 35 people got radically saved. Radically. And on day four, they woke up the morning, same thing, great weather. And they carried this little idol plastered together back into the plain. And as the missionaries came out, they started praying, and the rain came back immediately and gushed. Idol broke again, all the same thing. And from that day on, they never believed in the power of that idol. God did a miracle. Isn't prayer wonderful? 
Isn't prayer powerful? Prayer is incredible, and yet the church has yet to discover the true power of prayer. But so many people still have questions about prayer. Think about it quickly. If you think about prayer, what is the nature of prayer? Where does prayer come from? I mean, where did it actually originate from? But believe it or not, some people believe that prayer was created because of Adam and Eve's sin. And because they've sinned, we were far from God, so we had to do some other way to communicate with them. So prayer was birthed, if you think where did it come from, it was birthed with Adam and Eve and Apple and the sin, the whole story. But it, it is not true. Prayer did not start with a fall. Prayer started way before that. See, prayer existed from the beginning of God's relationship with us as humans. From the beginning. The true nature of prayer can only be understood in the context of God's purpose for humanity. Two things, relationship and rulership. That's where it comes from and that's where it's originating from. Prayer can be defined into two things. Prayer is an expression of our relationship with God. I talk to God. That's what we do. And number two, it's an expression of our participation in God's process on this earth. I participate with God because we are His center of His creation. He created us to rule and to have relationship. Now let's ask the question, then, who prayed the first prayer? Was it Adam? My answer was Adam. I don't know about you. He was first created, so he received God's instructions, and he had to tend the earth and stand in authority. That was Adam, isn't it? But the next question would be, but why did Adam have to pray when he was in God's presence constantly? That's a good question, isn't it? I mean, it brings you to a place when asking questions and then, Lord, but what is the answer? If Adam was the first guy who prayed, what happened? You see, this is where we need to change our thinking of what prayer really is. What is prayer really? Prayer is to commune with God. To commune with God. Adam communed with God in the garden daily. So what, it mean, what does it mean to commune? Commune actually means to live and share life together. But if you go to the Webster's Dictionary, it says to share one's in, in, intimate thoughts and feelings with someone, especially spiritual things. Isn't that beautiful? You see, when we pray, you don't have to go on your knees at the bed and be religious. Yes, you can do that as well. It's as powerful. But you can be in your car, in the traffic, you can be wherever in a rugby game on the stands and you can commune with God and share with Him. You can be on your bicycle, you can be on a run, you can make food in the kitchen and commune with God. And that is how powerful prayer is in our lives. And that's exactly what Adam did. He lived and shared a life with the Father. Isn't that beautiful? Today we're not walking in a garden with God like Adam, but... Prayer helps us enter God's presence to bring us to a place where we can fellowship with God, where we can know Him better, go deeper with Him. It's a place where we can talk to the Creator of the heaven and the earth. And I just think that is amazing. Isn't it amazing to know that we can speak to the Creator of the heavens and the universe? 
No matter if it's a small whisper, or if it's a loud prayer, if it's one person or a million, it's incredible. And that's why my sermon's topic today is to go deeper. I want to go deeper with my relationship with God. I don't know about you. And I really feel that this is the year where God's going to take us deeper. But if you're next to a swimming pool and you're always playing in a shallow end and you know there's a deeper end but you never walk over and don't jump in, you'll never see the deep end. So this year we're going to have to jump in to say, Lord, I want to go deeper and I'm going to trust you to go deeper. You see, many of us have heard and used the word or the term going deeper when it comes to prayer. Why? Because everyone wants to go deeper in a relationship. Amen? Come on, we want to go deeper in our relationship with God. We want to experience more of Him. We want to encounter Him every day. But if we really look into and know the power of prayer, or maybe just a normal whisper, we will start to think different about doing more to go deeper. You don't do more to go deeper. You understand different. See, there are some activities related to prayer that, that ask more from us, but the result of that activity with prayer takes us deeper. It takes you spiritually deeper in a place, namely fasting. So I don't know if you've ever heard someone speak about fasting or heard a sermon about fasting. Um, I've had one or two, but I've never understood it. I mean, looking at the church um, through centuries and even now, there is so much doing and pretending to be holy. Come on. If you look at the church and individuals, people want to pretend to do things just to be more holy, but are they? You see, what do we do? You see, is there a true hunger that brings you to that place? Or are you just pretending to be holy and just to go on with your life on the Monday? and then be holy again on Sunday. You see, it's, it's, the, it's, it's the game of, it's not the game of thrones, it's the game of masks. <laughs> I've got a Monday mask, I've got a Tuesday and a Wednesday, and then a Sunday, hallelujah, mask. You see, I wanted to go deeper in my experience with God, and, but I when, I, when it came to fasting as a young man and a student, even young in ministry, I never really understood fasting. It wasn't a good memory for me. It, it, more, it felt more like a hunger strike <laughs> for a week. So when we went into ministry, we always were forced. Two, two times a year, we fast for seven days on water. That's what you do. No, nothing else, water. And we pray and we read and we go on with the normal life. And by Wednesday, I was dying, literally. I, mean, I feel like everything is going. My spirit is leaving my body. It's hectic. I never understood it. It was not a good memory for me. I don't know about you, if you've ever fasted, but what, what your, your experience was with that. But I wanted to go deeper with God, and I wanted to experience more, but instead I just suffered every second of that moment of that fast. So every time I hear the word fasting, <laughs> it makes me feel guilty. And it made me feel guilty through time. Why? Because I felt that I can't be holy or disciplined enough for God to approve me. Ever been there? 
Ever been to a place that's like, oh, Lord, if I, I want to fast, it's religious. I'm not going to do a religious thing. Until God started arresting me and started challenging me in terms of, Henny, but this, what, this is what fasting really is. And that's what I want to look at today, and it's not going to be a long sermon, but I want to leave something with us today that when you come to a place of fasting this week, and, and I'm not going to force you to just drink water from now till Sunday next week. Don't worry. So just come back. Okay. Don't worry. But this week, we want to step into a place of praying fast as a church, and I felt it is important for us. Why? Because we need to go deeper. But we, for us to go deeper, we need to understand the why of why. Why do we fast and pray? Why is it necessary for us to actually do this and consecrate some time before the Lord? Why? I mean, I'm a why kind of guy. <laughs> I want to I ask why because if I understand it, I can dive into it wholeheartedly. Now, in his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus came and he made a powerful statement a powerful statement about fasting. But he, not just a powerful statement, he took the Jewish culture, he surprised them. Because the Jewish culture on fasting was very religious. Very. If you don't fast, you die. And if you don't do this, you're unclean. And we, I mean, we've spoken about this. But in Matthew 6, verse 16, let me just see if I can go on here. Let's read it together. Verse 16 to 18 says, When you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance. For they disfigure their faces and they may, that they may appear to men to be fasting. As surely, I say to you, they have their reward. Then he goes on and he says, But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men, appear to, men to be fasting but to your Father who is in a secret place and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Beautiful scripture. Small little piece and when you read through the whole Sermon on the Mount, you sometimes miss this powerful piece when he speaks about fasting and speaks about consecration. So here's my question this morning. Does fasting make you gloomy or does fasting make you glorious? Do you feel sad or glad when you fast? It's a good question, and I've got a few answers. Because <laughs> fasting is not fun for me, personally. I've always been an athlete, always been active, and I always struggle to fast because I've got a fast metabolism, and, and, and when I'm active, I can't fast, and there was always this thing in my life. Until I had to sit down and say, Lord, I want fasting to make me glad to bring joy out of my life, but I want to understand this. You see, until we understand the true function and the purpose of fasting and what it opens up in our lives, we still will experience condemnation in our lives. We need to understand it. See, we tend to think that our fasting is going without food, which is probably the most common fast that you get. But we can fast from anything. If you love music and decide to miss a concert in order to spend time with God, guess what? You're fasting. If you decide to miss that Springbok game, that Saturday afternoon, and you want to spend time with God, you've got a desire to spend time with Him, guess what? You're fasting. You see, it's a seeking to be closer to God. 
What are you seeking to? Lord, I'm seeking to be closer to you, to go deeper into your presence. That's what I want. I want to go deeper with you. I want to experience more of you. If you've got a passion to see the sick healed, the dead being raised, then we need to start with the desire to go deeper in Him. Because more of God brings more of His blessing. More of God brings more of His signs, wonders, miracles into our lives. It's a seeking to be closer to God. It's almost like when a close friends need to be together. Man, you just miss your buddy. We need to bry. What do you do? They will cancel all their activities, what, to, to, be, to make it possible to see each other. And that's actually what fasting is. Lord, I'm just taking a few things away so I can make intentional time with you. I'm not stopping and sitting in a, in a corner of my room and my yawing all the time. No, no. I go about my week, but I'm taking time intentionally out of my day and my week to say, Lord, I'm going to take this time because I desire more of you. You see, the truth is there's nothing magical about fasting. <laughs> when you fast, it's not going to, now, now the fasting is going to make it happen. There's nothing magical about fasting. It's just one way of telling God that our priority at that moment is to be alone with Him. Just showing God our, our pretense. Say, Lord, I want all of you, and I'm willing to give up these things that take my time. See, it's sorting out whatever is necessary, canceling the meal, party, the concert, or whatever else you have planned in order to fulfill that priority with God. If we look at Matthew 6 again, and you look at that last part, it says, it actually starts out, when you fast, when you fast, then he ends and he says, your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. When you fast. There's something that God comes and He sees the secrecy of your heart and the desire for you to just be closer to Him. And then He says, wow, I love your heart. Let me reward you openly. Isn't that powerful? God doesn't require us to fast, but He rewards those who choose to fast. One aspect of the Father's reward includes seeing more of His kingdom expressed in us and through us through your life and through your circumstances. I want God to do more in me, but I want Him just as much to do something through me. As I, as I all the time, I, I, I usually say that, because God does something in you, but we need to have, be willing for Him to do something through us. It also helps to enlarge our spiritual capacity to encounter more of His heart. That's what fasting is. It enlarges your capacity to encounter Him. Just in that moment, more and, and, you, and when you enlarge your capacity, when you encounter Him, guess what? More blessing. There is more blessing in your life. Now notice in the scripture, Jesus said, He didn't say, if you fast. But He says, when you fast. When we fast. Just like prayer is not optional for believers. So is a deeper hunger for God not optional. We need to hunger for God. And we step into that place of hunger for God with fasting. 
when you're so hungry to have food and eat sometimes when you fast on everything, to shift that thing and say, Lord, although my body is hungry, I want that cup of coffee right now. ASAP. But I'm placing that aside because I've got a desire for you. I just got a passionate desire for more of you, Lord. I've got a passionate desire to hear from you. You see, fasting is for those who are hungry, hungry to experience more in their relationship with the Father, more in their relationship with Jesus, and to see more of His kingdom expressed through our lives. Come on, I want God to express Himself through my life. Wherever and whatever sphere you are, when you hit a challenge, I want God to express Himself through my life. I want that. And I know you want that. Sometimes we don't even know what we want yet, but that's what God wants. He wants to express Himself through us. And when we st started to fast, or just take that specific time or that moment, or maybe you just take breakfast, or, and you take and you said, Lord, I'm just dedicating this time to you. God comes and He expresses Himself through you. You see, if you could express your deepest desire in your relationship with God, what will it be? If you can express your deepest desire in God, what will it be? Think about it. What is your deepest desire at this moment? And I'm talking about your relationship with Him. If God come and stand before you this morning and said, in our relationship, what is your deepest desire? What do you want the most from me? And it's never something physically that God, God can give us anything, but what is there spiritually that you want God to give you? What is that deepest desire in your heart for your relationship with God? Now, fasting expresses our desire to experience more of Him. It's an expression to God to say, Lord, I desire more of you. Physically, I'm going to suffer, but spiritually, wow, I'm just expectant for you to fill me up. Matthew 5 verse 6 says the following, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. I want to be filled with the fullness of God. And blessed are those who are hunger and thirst. So we need to be hunger, hungry and thirst for more of Him. And then God says, wow, I love your hunger, let me fill you. I love that. You see, some, sp some spiritual blessings will only be released in a context of spiritual hunger. Did you hear that? Some spiritual blessings will only be released in a context of spiritual hunger. God's waiting for you, that spiritual hunger in your life. And it's the difference. You know about when you speak about hunger, in the physical, the more you eat, the less hungry you are. The less you eat, the more hungry you are. In the spirit, it's different. The more you eat spiritually, the hunger you are, hungry you are. The less you eat, the less hunger you are. So it's a conundrum. The more you read your Bible, guess what? Man, I can't wait to read my Bible. The less you read your Bible, the less you want to read your Bible. And when we encounter God Himself, guess what? We discover that everything we need comes with that encounter. I want to encounter Him. 
And you'll see when you walk into church with us, it's a value for us in our church. On our banner it says, are you ready for an encounter with Him? Because it's an intentional thing to say, Lord, I want to be ready to encounter you every second of my life, every second of my day. Wherever I go, I want to be ready to encounter you. I want to encounter you, Lord, because when I'm encountering you, everything that I need comes with that encounter. So when we read our Bibles, we will see that the Word speaks more about fasting than praying. Do you know that? It's quite scary. When I went and I, I started and I studied and I took my notes and I realized when you look at the Word, the Word actually speaks more about fasting, about a third more than prayer. But it's because fasting was an absolute value in the Old Testament. See, Jesus fasted for 40 days. When? Just before His ministry started. He gave up everything and when He walked out of the desert... It says, and he came out of his fasting and desert in power. I mean, he, that's where the power started. He gave up everything. He said, Lord, I've got such a desire for you. Yes, and the Holy Spirit led him into the desert, but there was a desire for more of God, yet he was God. Moses fasted on Mount Sinai for 40 days. Elijah fasted 40 days on his way from Mount Herod. John the Baptist lived a fasting lifestyle. Paul fasted three days for clarification and clear direction when he encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus. Daniel fasted for end-time revelations. Esther fasted for the deliverance of her people. King David fasted often. I can go on and on and on. Now, if you like me, you would like to know, why am I fasting? It's good to know. Don't just fast because it's good to do. It's not a diet. It's not. Look what Lisa Bavia says. She says, a diet changes the way you look, but a fast changes the way you see. Powerful statement, isn't it? So let's look at a few types of fasts. Is it okay? You can decide when we go into a time of fast, what do I want to fast for in my life? There's a couple of them. Number one is fasting. We want to fast to experience a greater measure of the power of God personally. Do you want to experience a greater measure of God's power in your life? Then fasting will bring you to that place. Fasting will help you to say, wow, Lord, I've got such a desire to have more power in my life. I'm going to fast. So in Matthew 11, the disciples came to Jesus when they could not set a demonized boy free. Remember that story? So let's read it quickly. It says, Matthew 17, verse 19 to 21. It says, Later the disciples came to him privately and asked, Why couldn't we cast out the demon? And he told them, It was because of your lack of faith. I promise you, if you have faith inside you, no bigger than the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Move away from here and go over there and you will see it move. And then he says, there's nothing you couldn't do. But this kind is cast out only through prayer and fasting. 
Now, there's a lot of questions we can ask because of the scripture. Is there, I mean, I don't want to go into that. But what Jesus didn't say is, you can only receive more faith by prayer and fasting. That's not what he said. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. That's where faith comes. But he said that if you longing, if you are longing to see more of my power released, make sure you pray and fast to encounter more of the Father. That's what he said. He said, you want to see more of my power? Then go on a fast. Des- I mean, show that desire. Show your hunger. May your hunger lead you to the place of fast. Although it's only for a day or a moment, he said, Lord, I'm going to take this lunch and I'm going to fast because I've got a desire for more of your power. You see, historians actually shows that the early church fast, fasted twice a week with the sole purpose to experience more of God's power. It was, it was a Jewish thing. They, they fasted Mondays and Wednesdays. But in the early church, they fasted with, with the sole purpose. Of like, we want to see more of your power, Father. Then later it became religious. And they said, we want more of your power, not because of works or law, but just because we hunger more of your power. That's what the early church did. There was many great men like John Wesley, Andrew Murray, Charles Finney, and they all lived a strong value to have prayer and fasting in their lives. Strong value. I mean, I wish I could tell you all of these guys' stories of what happened in their lives, but Charles Finney, he led in one year, in 1857, in a, in a revival in New York, he led 500,000 people to the Lord in one year. 500, that, that's a half a million people with many signs and wonders. But the one thing that got me, every time he got tired, and if, come on, if you lead people, I mean, that's meeting upon meeting. 365 divided by 500,000. Just go and make that sum. That's a lot of people on every meeting, every day of the year. I mean, and every time he got tired, you know what he did? He started to fast and pray until he experienced the anointing of God on him. I mean, that just, for a minister and for a pastor, for a guy, I mean, that, that challenges me. And it makes me ask the question, not a religious question, it's like, I'm not doing enough. No, no. It makes me ask the question, like, am I hungry enough? Am I hungry enough? Do I desire God to such an extent that I would be willing to fast and pray and seek Him? Number two, we fast for direction. Do you need direction in your life? Do you need God to show you where to go and what to do? Lord, I need direction in my life. You see, every person's deepest desire is to know the will and the direction for God in his life. Come on, all of us. Fasting position us to receive more direction from God more than any other spiritual action we can do. Pray and fasting. Acts, if you go to the word, Acts 9, 13, 14, we see how Paul and the apostles started to fast for direction of where to go in their missionary journeys. It's incredible how they sought God for direction in their lives. Number three, fasting we fast for the fulfillment of God's promise in our lives. If God gives you a promise and you know, man, I've got this prophetic word, I've been sitting on it for 10 years, or maybe you've found a scripture and you feel that God is speaking to you, or maybe there's a promise in your life to do and, and conquer something, 
then we can fast and trust God said for the breakthrough of that promise. As a nation of South Africa, you know that we've got a prophetic word that revival will start at the tip of Africa. And it's prayer and fasting that will break that thing open. Not shouting at the political party or the government. Yes, go and vote. But let's pray. And let's occasionally fast and say, Father, this is the only way that we will see the promise fulfilled. Then number four, we fast for a crisis or for protection in our lives. You're going through a crisis or you need protection. We have a, um, a bunch of guys who, um, who have a prayer movement that prays every time a war is about to break out or when there's a war like in Ukraine. Or, they start fast and praying. And I can tell you testimonies upon testimonies upon testimonies of these guys just praying, standing on a word and said, Lord, we trust you for that thing not to happen. Cuban Missile Crisis in the years gone, there was a group of them praying and fasting for that week or two. Where that, I mean, Third World War was on a knife, knife edge and they prayed and fasted it through. There is power in fasting and prayer. Number five, and this is the one that I want to stop at today, is we fast for intimacy with God. And they call it the bridegroom fast. I don't know if you know it. The bridegroom fast. And this is where it comes from. Matthew 9, verse 14 and 15. It says the following, and Jesus sat with his disciples. He says, Then the disciples of John came to him, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees often fast often, but you disciples or your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. You see, when Jesus was on earth with his disciples, they grew accustomed to his presence. They were with him all the time. For three and a half years, they were with Jesus. And they cherished and loved, they were cherished and loved by him. Every day, they enjoyed the intimacy of his friendship daily as they walked and they talked with him and they laughed with him and he taught them and they cried with him and they made mistakes with him. He was there. So they did not understand what it meant to have an intense longing for his presence. They had no idea because he was right there with them, right there. But after he died and rose again and at the right hand of God, when he was gone, then suddenly they longed to experience more of his presence with them. They longed for that times that they had with him. See, in this verses, Jesus spoke about a fast that's based on the identity as the bridegroom and our desire to be with him. That's what he was talking about. So the bridegroom fast is based only on desire to be with him. To be with Him. So Lord, I want more of You. I want that place of intimacy. I want You close to my heart. So we fast to receive and understand more of His desire for us. And if we understand His desire for us, guess what? Then in that process, it awakens a greater desire from us to Him. Lord, I desire more of You. Suddenly I see Your desire for me. Wow. I desire more of you. So we can see that there's many different reasons to fast. 
There's many different ways and reasons to fast, and hopefully with this it answers some of the why, why we fast. Why do I fast? And, then, and this can probably be 10 sermons if I go deeper into the word and the, the I mean, just the way and why we fast and exactly. And I mean, there's so much, but I wanted to give you a bit of an overview of this. Why do I fast? But learning about fasting and being convinced that it is something we need to engage in aren't enough. Just learning about it and knowing, oh, yes, I probably need to fast. No, no, it's not enough. We actually have to fast and pray to experience the power of it. We have to. Not religiously. If I want more of that desire, I need to set aside something in my life and say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be intentional. Father, I want more of you, so I'm going to do this. From that place, it's a healthy place to fast. We not just fast because everybody fasting. Oh, I probably need to fast. It's like COVID. Everybody's buying toilet paper. Honey, let's go buy some toilet paper. Why? I don't know. We're just buying toilet paper. Remember that days? No, no. We fast because I've got a desire in my heart to have more of Him. To go deeper into this relationship with Him. We actually have to fast and pray. And this week we are going to fast and pray. And, and, and we're going to use Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday morning, break your fast. And it's only going to be four and a bit days. But I want to encourage you to join us. And go and pray this afternoon. Pray about it. Lord, what do you want me to fast on? Do you want to go on a Daniel fast? Do you want to go on a water fast? Maybe you want to fast media or screen time or sleep. If you want to sleep early in the night, sleep a bit less and pray a bit more. But go and find something that you know that is stealing the time that you could spend with God. And don't struggle through it or suffer through it. Find something that you know, Lord, this is what I need to do. But it's not just about the doing, I'm going to leave all this, and then leave the praying and the reading. <laughs> Make a time where you can open that Bible and say, Lord, I just want more of you. And if I don't feel this desire, if I don't feel I want to do that, just do it anyway. Because when you start eating the spiritual nourishment, guess what? Man, the hunger will come. And there's going to be more of God. And He's going to bless you. And He's going to, man, He's going to surprise you. But with the fast, go on and say, Lord, I want to fast this week. I want to do a bridegroom fast. I want, to, I want more of your intimacy. I want more of this. Or maybe he said, Lord, I want to fast because I need more of your power in my life. I want to pray and see things happen. Maybe you need direction in your life. And he said, Lord, I want to fast for some direction in my life. Maybe you're praying for someone to get saved. Then why not fast for them this week? Fast said, Lord, I'm going to pray and trust you that their lives will be impacted and touched. There's so much that we can come before God, but this is a personal moment between you and God. To say, Lord, I want to give something this week. Just something. And if you only fast two lunch times this week, fantastic. But do it. Be intentional to get more of Him. 
Personally, I want us all to, if you don't know what to fasten, to go into a bridegroom fast. Said, Lord, we need more intimacy with you. We need to know you. I need your presence with me. Just like the disciples longed to be with Jesus when he left. I want to long to be with him. I want more with him. Time with him. Not everybody can go on a water fast, I know. And if you go on a water fast, make sure you fast right. Make sure you ease it down. Stop drinking your coffee today. <laughs> and then when you start eating again, gradually go into soups and, and, and help yourself. But if you fast, whatever you fast on, may God speak to you. And then I want to ask you to pray. And we as a church, when corporately we come together, let's pray for Stalamos. Let's pray for this church and for everyone that comes into our church that they will be impacted and not just impacted, but they, may they encounter God. May this not just be a religious playground on a Sunday morning. Come on, that's not why we're doing this. We are here to encounter Him and to encounter each other. And to encounter Him through each other. I mean, that is the most precious way of praying for something. Said, Lord, I want to encounter more of you. May I be an encounter for others. But I first want to encounter you. Can't feed others while I don't have first. I want you to fill me up so that I can empty myself and be a blessing to others. Come on, let's stand up and I want to pray. Lord, we've got such a desire for you. We want more of you, Father. We need more of you. And Lord, we want to take this week of prayer and fasting. Lord, we want to, we want to devote time for you so, so that you can come in and bless us, Father. Bless us with more of your presence. Lord, I pray that there will be a spiritual hunger that will be ignited in our hearts this, this week. And it even will set the tone of our devotion with you for this year. So Lord, we pray for more of you. We want to be with you, Jesus. We want to have your presence with us. And Lord, may you change our perspective on fasting and praying this week. Away from a place of condemnation and rules and into a place of relationship and longing and desire. That's where we want to be. And Lord, I pray for every heart here this morning. People who has been who's gone through moments of fasting and has got hurt and they struggled through it. And Lord, I pray that you change our mindset this week. That you change our perspective on this. And that we will never think about this differently than just to create a place of desire for more of you. Lord, we love you. Thank you for blessing us this week, Lord. We are so expectant. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstalenbosch.co.za.